Good afternoon, everybody. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5, KPEL 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation. An honor to be with you guys yet again here today as we march ever closer to 2023 and inevitably toward another election cycle. Pray for all of us. 232-1542, you can send a message through the KPEL app chat. There's a story I've been avoiding and I didn't really want to talk about it. It's it's eating up a lot of the media headlines. If you if you've seen anything from mainstream media outlets, you know the name George Santos. I didn't want to talk about it. Didn't really want to go into it. But at this point, it's unavoidable. One of my favorite television shows of all time is house the uh the gar- the, the the arrogant uh doctor who hated people uh was uh was an addict uh, was a vicodin addict uh you know all that kind of it was made out to be kind of like the sherlock holmes of medicine type show uh procedural medical show but one of the one of the mottos that house had on the show was that everybody lies. And you saw it in, in just about every episode, a patient, another doctor, somebody was lying about one of the conditions. And because that information was omitted or lied about or whatever, that information coming to light is ultimately what led house to figure out what the disease was in every, in just about every episode. The problem is that in politics, that's taken to an extreme. Every politician lies. We expect it. We know that a politician is going to lie to us. George Santos has the distinct honor of making every single thing up. At this point, there is nothing from his campaign resume that seems to be honest. The media has torn every inch of the resume apart. Last night, subbing in for Tucker Carlson, Tulsi Gabbard, the former Democratic Congresswoman who uh, who has gone out in support of Republicans and against a lot of uh, far left progressive uh, uh, agenda items from the Democratic Party. She interviewed George Santos on Tucker Carlson's show and absolutely tore into him. Said things like, these are blatant lies. Do you have no shame? And Santos was left stuttering over that. And a lot of people on the right have pointed out, rightfully so, I would add, that the Democrats who were calling for Santos to not be seated, who were calling for investigations into Santos have absolutely excused a multitude of lies that Joe Biden has told over the years, padding his own resume. Uh, He's had multiple lies about his academic background, including his claim that he had graduated the top half of his class. He graduated 76 out of 85, uh, fabricated his family background, plagiarizing a story from Brittany O'Kinnick's speech about his family bio, lied about his wife and daughter being killed by a drunk driver, 
lied about quitting the Delaware football team in order to visit his girlfriend when, in fact, he quit because of poor grades. Lied when he said, I got started out of an HBCU, Delaware State. He never attended Delaware State or any historically black college or university. Lied about his involvement in the civil rights movement. Lied about being arrested in South Africa while trying to visit Nelson Mandela in prison. And, of course, has lied about just how much of Hunter Biden's business deals he knew of, was a part of, etc. That's still coming out. The Republicans actually are launching investigations into that aspect of Joe Biden's life. And I want to get back to the Hunter Biden stuff shortly. A little over a week ago at Red State and on Substack, I mentioned how one of the most significant parts of the Santos story is that this was his second time running for Congress, running on the same resume. And the Democrats' opposition research never caught it. Now, his opponent, Robert Zimmerman, this time said, we, we had some information about it, but we couldn't get the message out there. The problem for Zimmerman and Democrats in New York is that their message could not overcome the crime, the inflation, economic stuff, and they didn't really try to talk about Santos's background. They were on defense because the policies that the Democrats were pushing were so bad. I mentioned yesterday the Democrats are going on with voting rights as a key issue going forward because they still really have no answer on the economic and crime issues or the immigration issue, things like that. I'm not concerned, though, with George Santos's lies. I'm not concerned with the background, what he did or did not do, what what he did or did not lie about, the fact that uh, he said that he was he was going to be the first openly gay Republican, whatever, and that's not true. Uh, he called himself Jewish. His team came back and said, "Well, he was born he's Catholic, but his mom's family was." Uh, Jewish, so he called himself Jew-ish, as in he's Jew-like, not Jewish, as in of the faith, uh, which was a horrible talking point. Whoever advised that one should be fired and possibly spanked. But it's not the lies that bother me right now. The lies that Santos tells, um, granted, taken to extremes, we haven't really seen much of. And a lot more of them all at once than we normally see over a politician's career. But lies are part and parcel of the political experience. You expect that. What's bothering me is the sudden, unexplained financial prosperity. There are reports coming out that uh, you know, he he really claimed no financial assets when he ran in 2020 for Congress. And here in 2022, all of a sudden he's worth millions upon millions of dollars. And he injected $700,000 worth of cash into his campaign. And there's really no paper trail as to where the money has come from. There's a lot of questions on his financial disclosures that are not answered. This is from the Washington Post. When Santos in June 2021 announced his bid for New York's 3rd District, which largely represents an affluent section of the North Shore of Long Island, he made a promise that few other candidates could match. If elected, he said in a campaign video, I pledge never to take a salary. 
He furthered the impression that he was independently wealthy by lending his campaign at least $580,000 and his political action committee at least $27,000, according to Federal Election Commission filings. The loans played a key role in his surprising victory and helped give Republicans a narrow majority in the House. In his first bid for the House, Santos said in a 2020 financial disclosure that he had no assets or earned income, and he only cited a commission worth more than $5,000. But by the time Santos filed his 2022 financial disclosure, he declared he was worth millions of dollars, with the most wealth coming from a Florida company in which he was the sole owner, the DeVolder organization. In any case, this is later in the story, On September 6th, when Santos filed his financial disclosure report with the clerk of the U.S. House, he said that the DeVolder organization had provided him with millions of dollars. Santos reported that the organization paid him an annual salary of $750,000 in 2021 and 2022, and that the company was worth between $1 million and $5 million. Asked in a radio interview about a report that said he had put $700,000 into his campaign, he responded, that is the money of, uh, that is... I've paid myself through my company, the DeVolder organization. That's a direct quote. Candidates are required to file accurate reports of their finances with the clerk of the House. If a candidate knowingly files a form that is false, it could violate a number of laws, according to the Nonpartisan Campaign Legal Center. Now, I want to go back to the Hunter Biden a big part of why Hunter Biden is under such scrutiny is that his business deals gave him a lot of money for doing little to no work. It's the same type of scrutiny his art deals. When he has these exhibits and he sells artwork he's made, it's the same kind of scrutiny there. He is getting millions of dollars for doing very little work. And it seems more like people are trying to buy access to his dad. That's the accusation. If George Santos has gotten a lot of money and we don't know where it came from, that poses the same issue. Republicans income from foreign organizations. From foreign organizations. Those are the same flags that are being raised to me about Santos and his money. Jim Garrity at National Review had similar questions. This is what he wrote this morning at the Morning Jolt. For all we know, some foreign power may have bought itself a congressman. This isn't outlandish speculation as one of his largest donors has ties to the Russian government. The Daily Beast pointed to a February 12th tweet from Santos that reads, We are going to enter a war in the Middle East in the middle of the Eastern Europe winter against Russia to defend the sovereignty of Ukraine. Meanwhile, this is the site at the U.S. southern border where our sovereignty is no longer a priority. Ten days later, Santos was telling Fox News that President Biden was too weak in standing up to Russia. There are issues. There are concerns. I'm not saying that he's a foreign agent. I'm not saying that a foreign government has bought him. But because we don't have any answers on these finances, we can't be sure. And that, to me, is more dangerous 
than the lying about the resume. The lying about the resume is just a mask. Everybody in the media is focusing on that. There are very few people who are talking about where George Santos's money came from. 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation. When we come back, we'll get into more of that. And, of course, your calls and your messages here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. 232-1542, if you want to call in, be part of the conversation. In fact, we've got a caller on the line now. Hi, welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. Who am I speaking with? Jim. Good afternoon, Joe. Hey, how are you? I want to I want to know why it seems to me that uh, every time we have campaign finance reform, it just gets worse. I can name three instances of this years ago when I first made my first contribution when I was younger. It was oh we can only have take this much, and then the next time it was hey we can take this much, and your wife can write a check for this much, and now it's like oh yeah you can you can give us this much for the. This camp, this uh, the, the campaign, and then over oh, in a runoff, you can give this much more. It's just it's endless. It's like it seems like it it just gets worse and worse. There's no reform involved, you know. And I had to laugh out loud when you, earlier when you said the guy said being Jewish. Yeah. Well, on, the, on TV this morning, I don't know if you saw his interview, but he said it's easier to understand if you would see him say it, you would get his meaning because <laughs> he says Jew. Ish. It was just yeah. funny when you said it. I, I just laughed out loud. Yeah. Anyway, I just I, my campaign reform thing is just you know. It, it's it's such so campaign finance reform has has become such a tricky thing because when you loosen campaign finance rules, incumbency goes down, which is I think a good thing because you have a lot of people who stay in Washington D.C. far too long. The flip side of that is when you have more unrestricted campaign finance donations, you get into about it to follow the not really a whole lot that people can do. About it to follow the money trail. I mean, right now they're I mean, they're looking for an investigation. There are some laws he may be on the wrong side of because of disclosure rules. But, I mean, he's he's won the election, and this is coming out now. First of all, kudos to the Democratic Party of New York for not doing their oppo research at all because this could have been prevented had they had this information beforehand. But, man. Right. We should have withdrew from the campaign. But like he said this morning, he is not quitting. He's not resigning. He said the voters will have to vote him out in two years. And he said to take his word for it, he will be a very good representative. You can take his word for it now. <laughs> and, and, you, and you know what? I, I agree with that. And there's actually people on the left who agree with that, that, yeah, go ahead and let him stay. Let him be an embarrassment to the Republican Party because the voters aren't going to make the mm-hmm. same mistake twice. And I agree with that. The voters will ultimately decide whether or not they like this guy representing him. And the fact that his resume is 100 percent false is a big part of that. All right. Thank you very much. for the call. Mm-hmm. I want to try to get to I one more it. quick call before we go to our break. We got about 30 seconds left. Hi. Welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. Who am I talking to? Warren. Hey, Warren, what you got real quick? Well, Dan Bongino was talking about uh, the the crazy money that the Republicans were spending on clothes and jet airplanes and all kind of stuff. I'm like, man, you got to be kidding me. Um, I tell you, the way it looks now, Joe, everybody should go out and celebrate New Year's because I think it might be the last one for America, Joe. 
You know, uh, and, and actually he referenced my boss at Red State, Jennifer Van Lahr, who wrote the original story on that. Warren, thank you very much for the call. I did go over that a week or two ago. I may have to do it again. I may need to get Jen on the show with us. I know that she's been kind of busy lately. I'm going to try to get her on to kind of go over this a little bit more. All right. When we come back, I want to talk about the legacy media and climate change because there's some stuff coming out that's kind of shady there, too. 232-1542 and the KPL app chat when we get back here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Like I said, 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message to the KPL app. Uh, sorry, I had to stall a little bit there. The computer was frozen and it was not recording the show for today's podcast, which has actually made me think about it. But anyway, uh, we are back. My technology is not doing so hot right now, but we shall prevail. Speaking of not doing too hot... The mainstream media, legacy media outlets, have not been doing so great when it comes to talking about climate change. I know that comes as a big shock to a lot of you. But as the cult of climate change, the people who make these extreme radical predictions that never come true, as more and more of those people get a voice in the mainstream media, it turns out the mainstream media is is letting these reckless predictions linger and nobody's really calling them out on it. You know, the Associated Press took $8 million in donations to fund climate coverage from a, uh, from a climate change group. That was released in a report called the Climate Fact Check 2022 put out by a lot of of coalitions and institutes that that are center-right. In February, the Associated Press admitted that they would assign more than 24 journalists across the globe to cover climate issues after receiving more than $8 million over three years from various organizations. AP News Vice President Brian Caravellano has said the money was accepted with no strings attached. But it's pretty hard to say that you took $8 million, hired 24 people to cover climate change from one specific angle, and that didn't affect how you would cover climate change. And it's not just the Associated Press. For example, the New York Times reported that a heat wave in Britain was made worse by climate change. However, That's demonstrably false. Heat waves have drastically declined in duration over the last 90 years. The Washington Post made the claim that winters were becoming shorter due to increasing warmth thanks to climate change. In the 1960s, the winter season began in January. Now it begins in October. Here in Louisiana... We know what climate change activists like to say about us. We get hit with all these hurricanes because climate change is making things so much worse. We're going to have a terrible hurricane season. There was one hurricane that made landfall and was destructive, and that was in Florida. Hurricane Ian. All the named storms that were supposed to make landfall, all the major storms that were supposed to hit the U.S., they didn't happen. We had a much more quiet hurricane season. Every climate change prediction about where we would be 10 years, 20 years, 100 years from now, 
when they started making these predictions 10, 20, 50 years ago, none of those models that have been made have, have, have been drawn up by these activists. None of them have come true. Is the climate changing? Probably. It changes over time. Nothing is permanent. Nothing in the world historically has ever been permanent. But all of that said, none of the predictions, none of the alarmist screeching has come true. But the media continues to report from the climate change perspective, gets the hypothesis, I mean, gets this, gets the conclusions wrong time after time, but nothing comes of it. You know, I mentioned yesterday that the Biden administration wants to, wants to dominate the high-tech marketplace, the high-tech sector of the economy, of the global stage. They want to become a front-runner. They, they want the U.S. economy, the U.S. market, U.S. industry, to become front runners in high tech, microchip, uh, clean energy, all these sectors. But all of the minerals, all the materials needed to make the microchips and the batteries and things like that for all these initiatives, they all come from China. And China has no qualms about the environmental impact of drilling for these rare earth metals and other materials. But the Biden administration does. And the environmentalists that have pushed the Biden administration further and further left, they don't like it. They don't want to see the U.S. actively going anywhere and drilling for these uh, rare earth minerals, these metals, these materials needed for these clean energy initiatives. They talk about clean energy. They talk about switching to solar and wind and all of these things. But at the same time, Everything that you need to make this happen makes the situation worse. It is incredibly toxic to the environment to be drilling for these rare earth metals. Not saying that we shouldn't, but we have to understand that in order to make their utopian vision of a perfect clean energy society work, you got to muddy your hands and the earth a little bit. But they don't see that. They don't they, they haven't acknowledged that. And they won't acknowledge that. And the media just marches right along. They march right along. They say nothing about the fact that every prediction they've reported on, every conclusion they've drawn is wrong. And they will not be held accountable for that because at the end of the day, as long as they're pushing the alarmist narrative, it's fine. There is a group of young conservatives who actually want to help the fight with on climate change. They have ideas. They're a very good group. They are talented young conservatives. But they don't get any airtime anywhere because they aren't pushing the radical extreme things that the climate alarmists want. They want to get rid of petroleum. They want to get rid of oil and gas. They want to 
uh, they want to switch everybody over to electric vehicles. They want to get solar panels in everybody's house. They want to get rid of every bit of dirty energy, and they don't want to switch over to nuclear energy because, God forbid, a rare instance of a nuclear meltdown happens. You have climate change alarmists who are upset at the whole nuclear fusion uh, development because that technology may not be available for, what, 50 years? And they're saying, but we're going to die in 10 years from climate change, so why even bother with that? Focus on changing everything else now. I'm serious. That is exactly what some of them think. There is no being held to account when they get so many things so very wrong. And they take money from climate change organizations to do all this reporting. They take this grant money. They take these donations, all of it. And they write up exactly what they're supposed to write up. And nothing is ever coming true on those predictions. But here we are, the end of 2022, and it's just now coming out that over the past few years, the Associated Press has taken $8 million to hire 24 journalists to report on those exact things. And those reports that they've been putting out continue to be wrong. And no one will ever be held accountable for it. All right, before we take a break, I do want to mention my friend Robbie Bishop at Robbie Bishop Photography. I've mentioned him before. I will keep mentioning him. He is a fantastic photographer. He can do just about anything that you need him to do. When I was working in the school system, he was the guy we turned to for taking uh, our kids' portraits. He did a phenomenal job there. Every year, we take Christmas pictures at Robbie's studio. He has a wonderful setup there. But it's not just that. Senior portraits. Parents, if you're looking for somebody to get your senior portraits from, Robbie's the guy. He can do weddings. He does events. He does business headshots. You call him. You tell him what you want. I'm sure he can make it work for you. All you got to do is call 337-456-5632. Talk with Robbie Bishop. He will have uh, some great ideas for you. I highly, highly recommend and I'm proud to endorse Robbie and his business. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we will have a little bit more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, still a lot to talk about. I want to get to one other story that's kind of piqued my interest today. Uh, my Red State colleague, Bonchi has written about this over at Red State Even far-left activists are now savaging Pete Buttigieg. And I want to tell you my thoughts on this because it ties into something that I was mentioning last week. Last week, I noted that there were a couple of puff pieces coming out that were propping up um, Kamala Harris, the vice president, uh, trying to sort of puff up this year as being a good year for, for, for the vice president. Uh, trying to beef up her resume, as it were. In the past, one thing I've noticed, and one thing a few people in, in the political world have noticed, is that whenever a good story about one about either Kamala Harris or Pete Buttigieg comes out, a negative story about the other comes out. I'm starting to think that what we're seeing here 
is the left and folks in the media who are rallying around Kamala Harris as the natural successor to Joe Biden. They want a black woman to be the next nominee for president from the Democratic Party. And they want every attack against her in the next presidential election cycle, whether it's 2024, 2028, to be about race and attacking her from that angle. Nina Turner is a far left activist, very vocal on social media. Here's what she tweeted last night. What's happening with the railroads, airlines, and the supply chain is a result of a small city mayor being made the Secretary of Transportation as a means to pad his resume for president. Secretary Buttigieg is a prime example of failing up. If you hold positions of power, you are responsible for what happens while you're in power. The airlines have had a cancellation issue all year. The rail workers want to strike. The buck stops with with Pete Buttigieg and POTUS. That's simple. And Nina Turner is not wrong in her tweets. However, however, the only time progressives are not circling with their wagons around each other is when they are making their move to coronate their next person. And it seems right now that all eyes are on coronating Kamala Harris as the next nominee for president for the United States from the Democratic Party. Pete Buttigieg is absolutely an example of failing up. Don't get me wrong, this is not a defense of him. I think that he is an absolute joke as a Secretary uh, Secretary of Transportation, and that is patently obvious when he goes on paternity leave and nobody notices. There was an entire fiasco with our ports, and the Secretary of Transportation was, one, nowhere to be found, and two, nobody knew where he was. And nobody really thought to ask until he came back and they are like, wait, you were gone? Where were you? And he said paternity leave. And they're like, what? He is an absolute joke of a transportation secretary. And yet he has these ambitions of running for president himself. He wants to be the first openly gay president of the United States. But the problem is he's going up against Kamala Harris, who has a much more vocal base of people like Nina Turner and folks in the media and activists that are known online as the K-Hive because, God forbid, anybody has a normal name or or has normal behaviors online. But they are starting to circle the wagons around Kamala Harris, and they will do anything to make sure that she is the next one up. And these tweets kind of prove that. It is incredibly absurd, though, that we're having this fight right now. Joe Biden has said he's going to run again, but he's also kind of hinted at the fact that they're going to discuss it a little bit more, he and his family. We don't actually know if he's going to run in 2024. His health, his brain, they don't seem like he's going to be able to. But what are the Democrats' other options? Kamala Harris, who they have to really, really stretch to pad her resume, or or a secretary, a secretary of Transportation who can disappear and nobody notices. Very hard to tell. All right, I'm going to be back in 23 hours. In the meantime, Shannon is offsides next. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, 
and follow me on Substack. You can go sign up for my daily emails and columns and the podcast, joecunninghamshow.substack.com. You guys have been great. As always, I'll talk to you again real soon here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.